Welcome again to the podcast for Adult and Teen Challenge with Upper Cumberland. Uh, this is Pastor Tim McLaughlin. I'm just so encouraged uh, to know that people are listening to this message, not because I'm the one teaching it, just because it's the Word of God, and I know that the Word of God is able to change, transform your life. Uh, it gives us all power to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. Um, I just, I get so excited not only to teach but but I get more excited to be able to study so that I can teach um, because uh, I want to be a learner. I was telling someone the other day I said it's uh, uh, I am 50 years old I am uh, studying currently to get my master's degree in biblical studies and um, they're like why in the world do you need a degree is it going to help you I mean you're, you're running team challenge you're the executive director the CEO you're the boss what do you need a degree for it's not about the piece of paper it's about the knowledge that comes with the studies and uh, so my hope and prayer is is you don't have to be enrolled in school be it be a book reader be a uh, person that, that gets involved in in small groups be be someone that wants to study the the things of God. Um, it will just change and transform uh, every aspect of your life. The more that you read, um, the, the more uh, attuned to the things of the Spirit you will become. So today, let's let's jump into this. I know we've been speaking for, I, I forgot how many weeks now, about the gifts of God. And uh, I know for the last two weeks, uh, we've been discussing the third area of the gifts of God, um, and that's the area that most people know is the spiritual gifts. Uh, my hope is that we will go through these gifts and explain them um, and, and bring clarification to the body of Christ. Uh, I continue to reiterate that the Apostle Paul's declaration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, is that he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. That's you and I. It's given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So as we continue to unwrap the gifts that God has given us and and uh, and we talk about all these things. Today I want to talk about the area of the gifts of the Holy Spirit known as the inspiration gifts or some people call it vocal gifts. Um, so when we break down these last three as you remember hopefully uh, you've, you've listened and you've been following us that we've broken these down into three different areas uh, and we've looked at the uh, the the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit into three different categories. And so today we're looking at, again, what we call the inspiration or vocal gifts. And so the first gift of the Holy Spirit in this category of inspiration gifts is the gift of prophecy. Now, it may appear to, to those that are listening that, well, you've already covered the gift of prophecy when we looked at some of the other gifts. We looked at the gifts of the Father, we looked at the gifts of the Son, and we talked a little bit about prophecy. But you must understand that there are differences in these gifts from the office of the prophet to the gift of prophecy that has to focus on the, the correct interpretation of Scripture and teaching of the gospel when it comes to spiritual gifts of prophecy. 
Lester Summerall said this, Prophecy is the greatest of the three gifts of inspiration. That's, that's pretty profound. Prophecy is the greatest of the three gifts of inspiration. I think the reason that's so profound to me is because I know that Lester Summerall is a, is a Pentecostal, was a Pentecostal preacher. He has a, a Bible school. Uh, Lester Summerall went to be with the Lord several years ago, but he has a Bible school up in Indiana. And, and I've read several Lester Summerall's books. I'm an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. And as an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God, we have to sign a document every year that says we agree with the 16 fundamental truths uh, that are laid out by the Assemblies of God. And I do agree with those. But what we say is that tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, I do agree with that to a point. But the Apostle Paul even tells us in 1 Corinthians that, that he believes that prophecy is probably one of the most important, is the most important gift. And so Lester Summerall says that he agrees with that, that the, the greatest of the three gifts of inspiration is prophecy. So the gift of prophecy is referred to a total of 22 times in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14. The gift of prophecy is referred to 22 times in these chapters of 1 Corinthians that shows the importance. The prophet predicts the future, and the gift of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, I want to say that again. Maybe you're taking notes or something. The gift of prophecy that we're talking about right here is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is to build up the body of Christ. It's to build up His church. The gift of prophecy in its root meaning signifies to erect, to strengthen, to build up. So when we think about the gift of prophecy, so many people get so caught up in the foretelling of the future when really what we need to look at is the gift of prophecy, especially in the public setting, in the church, is for the edification of the church to encourage and strengthen the church. When I think about the gift of prophecy, we, we have a... a a man that goes to our church, our home church, Trinity uh, Assembly in Allgood, and there's a, a man that, that probably operates more in this gift than anybody else. And he's not the only one. There are several others, but this one particular man, and we could be right in the middle of worship or could be right at the end of worship, and God will give him a, a prophetic word that he will speak forth in utterance. And sometimes it may come in a tongue and interpretation, and we'll get to that. But a lot of times he'll just speak out and he'll say, the Lord says... And what he says is not a judgmental. It's not, well, God is mad at you. You're not worshiping the right way. You need to do this. You need to correct that. No, no, no. If God's going to bring some correction, God's going to do that on an individual basis, I believe, or in a smaller group setting. But when we're in the corporate setting, the corporate worship setting, and God begins to speak through his person operating in the gift of prophecy, that gift is going to edify, it's going to, to uplift us, it's going to strengthen us, and God is going to reveal to us what it is that he is pleased with, what he is, what, what, what he is proud of us about. So the gift of prophecy brings edification. It also brings exhortation. In exhortation, we, we have a call to encouragement. A word of prophecy will exhort a church fellowship to a place of holiness, a place of consecration, and a place of separation from the world. So the gift of prophecy 
will encourage the church body and the church member to draw closer to God to a place of holiness, consecration, and separation from the things of the world. And also the gift of prophecy will bring us to a place of comfort. The Greek word comfort is consolation, which could include healing of distress, sorrow, persecution, or suffering. So, so when we operate in the gift of prophecy, that gift of prophecy, that word of prophecy will bring people to a place of comfort, a place of healing, a place of, of comfort from sorrow, a place of, of, of comfort from persecution, a place of comfort from suffering, a place uh, uh, where we can find ourselves uh, in the midst of God. Isaiah says that, that he, will, he will comfort us like a like an eagle comforts its chick in, in over its wing and it brings it close. And that's what God does. God will give us a, a, a word of prophecy uh, to, to encourage us that he is with us. I'll never forget in 2020, um, March of 2020, uh, we just celebrated one year since the tornado hit our area. And I remember right after um, the, the service, right after uh, the tornado hit, the pastor preached on uh, the Psalm 27, and and I that that has just stuck with me so much because it is a it is a prophetic word. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my rock and my salvation. That is a that is a word of comfort that even in the midst of of storms, even in the midst of disease, and even in the midst of uh, unrest. The Lord is my strength. So the, so the gift of prophecy will edify, exhort, and bring comfort to the body of Christ and to the individual Christian. This gift is available to the total church. God wants you to be an instrument that he can use to edify, exhort, and comfort his people. Because of the importance of the gift of prophecy and the fact that it is for all of us, it is also one that must be judged appropriately. Let me say that again. Because of the importance of the gift of prophecy and the fact that it is for all people, it is also one that must be judged appropriately. We need to judge the person that is operating in the gift of prophecy. How do you judge this this gift. How do you judge these things? Well, first off, you judge them by the person's fruit. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that by their fruit, you will know them. So, so you judge the prophecy by the person giving the prophecy by the fruit. If a person is somebody that goes around and they're a busybody and they're a gossip, and yet they come to you and they say, well, the Lord says, well, you need to judge that person by their fruit because if you're not uh, careful, what will happen is you could be led astray. I remember one person in particular, I won't say name, but this one person used to go around and tell people, thus saith the Lord. And I saw that person would break up several relationships where they would tell people, well, God wants you to marry so-and-so. God wants you to be with so-and-so. And they would they would break up uh, with the person that they were with to be with this other person. And then I would see that end in disaster. That was never the will of God. That same person came to me uh, and my wife back in 2003 and told us, actually it was 2004, 2004, Pastor Mike Campbell had already came to us and said um, that the Lord had spoke to him 
and that the Lord said that we were going to be on the staff at Trinity. Now, that wasn't the first time that I'd heard that. That was actually the second time that I had heard that prophesied over me. And so I just began to, to pray and seek the Lord and fast. And, and Pastor Mike came back and he, uh, he, he had uh, my wife and I interview with the deacons, uh, the six deacons, the elders at Trinity. And we went through this interview process and they agreed that Pastor Mike had heard from the Lord. And they said, but this is the deal. We're going to wait to a specific time before we announce it to the church. So between the time that Pastor Mike A told us that the Lord had spoke to him, B introduced us to the board of directors and the board confirmed that. Um, and and before we got to the place where he announced it to the church, this person came up and said, right in front of my wife, said, um, I, I know that you think that God wants you to be on this staff and that you're going to get this such and such position, but uh, God has told me you're not the one for this position. Now, if I had been a, a an immature Christian, a young person in Christ, um, I would have probably gotten offended and I probably would have uh, left the church or, or done something silly. But she, this, this person walked away. And when, when, uh, when, when that person walked away, my wife looked at me and said, what are we going to do? I said, we're not going to do anything. I'm going to trust in the Lord that, that God has this. And it was just a couple months later that Pastor Mike announced us to the church as the, um, the next associate pastor. Why did I get not get moved? Why did that not bother me? Because I knew this person's fruit. I knew that this person had not uh, had not always lived and spoke accurately. The, the other area that we need to judge it is we need to judge the prophecy by how does it glorify God? When a person gives a word uh, and they say that the Lord said, we need to understand, does this, does this type of prophecy, does this word glorify God? We can see this in John chapter uh, 16, verse 14. John 16, 14 says, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So what the person says, does it bring glory to God or does it bring glory to themselves? Are they sharing a word of prophecy to try to get people to look at them? Or are they sharing the word of prophecy to, to get people to focus more on the things of God? So we judge the prophecy by, by does it glorify God or does it glorify man? A third area that we can judge person's uh, prophecy is does it agree with Scripture? Does what the person's saying agree with Scripture? Does it line up with the Word of God? Because that is of utmost importance. We need to know that the Word, that the Word that they're speaking, uh, lines up with Scripture. Because anything spoken that doesn't line up with Scripture is not true prophecy. We can look at Isaiah chapter eight, verse twenty. Isaiah chapter eight, verse twenty tells us the law and the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So in other words, if a person's saying something and it doesn't line up with Scripture, there is no, there's no light in that. There is no, there is no evidence in that, that that it is true prophecy from God. The fourth area that we can judge prophecy is that the word spoken should be easy to understand. It should not be a riddle that makes it hard for us to, to interpret. I've heard people that have said things and they, you know, well, the Lord speaks in riddles. The Lord does not speak in riddles. The Lord wants us to know exactly what it is he is saying to the body of Christ. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 13 says, But the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, 
here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken as snared and caught. The word of God will be clearly easy to understand to the person that is listening. They will know instantly what it is the Lord wants to say to his church. The other area that we can look at that will we could judge prophecy is prophecy will bring liberty, not bondage. Prophecy will bring liberty and not bondage. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When God speaks through his prophet, the person that he's using to speak the prophecy, he's going to speak a word to his people that will bring liberty, not bondage. And then the last area in which we judge the prophecy is, is every believer, every born again, every person filled with the Spirit of God has an unction from God to be able to judge this prophecy. So, so it should not be of any surprise to anybody. We have an unction from the Father. So true prophecy produces life. True prophecy gives spiritual vision and can, be, and can bring revival. Why? Because it edifies it exhorts and it comforts. So understand that this gift of prophecy um, is not a judging of the future, is not judging of a people, but it, it's something that wants to bring encouragement. And we have the right and the ability by God to judge this prophecy. The second area or the second gift when we talk about the gifts, the inspiration gifts or the vocal gifts of God is the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues is, uh, is a very important gift. It's, a, it's, it's probably the most misunderstood of all spiritual gifts. Again, I, I get to, to minister in a lot of different churches, and, and so many churches out there just completely avoid talking about the gift of tongues. Um, there's so much that I could share with you about the gift of tongues, um, and, and maybe we'll do that at some point. I'll, I'll do a, uh, a teaching just on tongues itself that is in greater uh, detail. But for this particular area, the gift of tongues, this is a, a gift in tongue um, that is different from a personal tongues. This particular gift of tongues found right here in 1 Corinthians 12 refers to a tongue that is given in a public setting and requires interpretation. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that because the Apostle Paul goes on and begins to teach on this gift and he, he begins to tell the people, um, especially in 1 Corinthians 14, um, how this tongue has to be used and how the church at Corinth was abusing this particular gift by walking into a public setting and speaking in tongues that was doing nothing to help encourage or edify the church. So this particular gift that we're talking about right here is a gift of tongues that is used in a public setting. We know from Acts chapter 2, Romans chapter 8 verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14 2, that the gift of tongues is directed to God as the language of praise and intercession or prayer. So the diverse kind of tongues is the gift used for public ministry. It is a sign or a gift from God, a distinguishing gift that does something very particular. 
Tongues is for a sign to the unbeliever to stir him inside. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 22, the Bible says, therefore, tongues are for a sign not to be to, to those who believe, but to unbelievers. It is a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. The gift of tongues come from the Greek word glossa, G-L-O-S-S-A, meaning language. And it is a supernatural expression of God's Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the church received the gift to communicate the gospel in a foreign language. We see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, where it says the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There are three types of tongues mentioned in the Bible. An unknown tongue unto God that edifies and refreshes. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 through 5 where it says, For he speaks in a tongue and does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, comfort to them. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So this is one area of tongue um, that we can see. Another area that we can look at when we talk about tongues is an unknown tongue that is assigned to unbelievers, again, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. So number one, an unknown tongue that edifies and refreshes the person, but also it is assigned to unbelievers. And then also a tongue is an understood through the interpretation and brings edification to the church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 says, What is the conclusion then? That I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So there has to be an interpretation <clears throat> to, bring, um, to bring this edification to the church. Now there's a whole lot more, like I said a minute ago, that I could teach on tongues, but but understand that this particular tongue that we're talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a public tongue that requires interpretation. So quickly, we're going to move right into the last inspiration gift, the last gift of the nine gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is the interpretation of tongues. When an utterance in tongues is given in a public worship service, that particular tongue requires, according to Scripture, interpretation. But an interpretation here is not necessarily a literal translation. So let me say this again so, so I bring some clarity. When an utterance in tongues is given in a public worship service, that particular tongue given, that message given, requires interpretation. But an interpretation given is not necessarily a literal translation. Sometimes I've heard this said where somebody will speak in a tongue in a public setting, and it may be a lengthy tongue. In other words, it could be you know, 45 seconds, a minute, two minutes long, and yet the translation could be much shorter or much longer. And so some people say, well, that's not what that person says because the tongue was longer. Well, it's kind of like if you speak in a foreign language, if you speak in Spanish or you speak in German or you speak in Russian, what is said 
in that foreign language when it's translated in English not always lines up directly with what was said. In other words, length is not always the measure of the translation. The person that operates in the gift of tongues uh, should seek the gift of interpretation. So if you are a person that speaks in tongues, you should also be a person that desires the, the gift of, uh, of interpretation uh, to be able to translate or to interpret that gift. If you possess the gift of tongues and happen to be in a gathering where there is no interpreter, you should also be the one to interpret. The purpose of the gift to interpret or to render intelligible was given forth for unintelligible tongues. So this gift that is given to interpret was given for the unintelligible tongues. This refers to the presence of God in that place. God has brought the people to a very special message, a calling of action, and he needs someone to bring the interpretation to his people. When interpreted for the congregation, a message in tongues can be inspired, can inspire deeper worship and prayer, and it can serve the uh, serve a purpose similar to the gift of prophecy. So, in other words, when a tongue is given, and then an interpretation is given, that interpretation will lead the people to a deeper worship, and can also act often as the gift of prophecy, in which it brings edification and exhortation to the people. So the person operating in the gift of tongues should also ask God for the gift of interpretation. We should all desire to ask of all of the spiritual gifts that God gives to each and every one of us. So all of us need to desire from God these spiritual gifts. We have looked at, again, over the last several weeks, we have looked at all of the gifts I've broken them down into the gifts of God, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We understand that all of these gifts come from God alone, one God, one true God. But just as God is broken down in himself uh, into the trinity of the body, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I have done so in these teachings to make these things easier to understand. We are finished now with these particular gifts, but I want one more teaching that I want to teach you next week. One more gift that is probably the greatest of all gifts. And it's the gift of love. So I pray that you come next week. Tune in as I, as I wrap up these uh, teachings on the gifts of God with one final gift, the gift of love. And uh, I just believe that we all need to desire all of these gifts as we pray. That what God would give as he wills, but that we all should desire his will. Father, I pray that you bless each and every one that's heard this message. I pray, Father, that you'd keep them safe and protected. Continue to look over them. May we all hunger and thirst for more of you, more of your word, more of your righteousness, and more of your gifts, your spirit inside of us, so that we can do and accomplish more to lead others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for these things, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week, and hope you tune in next week.